There is one mistake that most Christians make when it comes to dealing with the Holy Spirit. And that mistake is that many Christians see the Holy Spirit as an it rather than a he. Yet the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a he, not an it. The Star Wars series has popularized the force. May the force be with you. And so many Christians have the concept that the Holy Spirit is simply a force rather than a person. But the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit not as a force, but as a person. It uses the personal pronoun he in talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons, and welcome to Truth 101, a systematic way of looking at the Christian faith. And we're going through the different series, the different topics of uh, systematic theology. In the 100 series, we looked at the person of God. In the 200 series, we looked at the person of Jesus. And now we come to the 300 series, and we're looking at the person, the third person of the Trinity, known as the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be, we will be looking for the next several podcasts at the work of the Holy Spirit. What are the distinctive activities of the Holy Spirit throughout the history of the Bible? Among the different activities of the members of the Trinity, what activities are specifically associated with the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible tells us, and so we'll be looking at those. Now, in looking at the podcast uh, dealing with the Holy Spirit, we're going to look primarily at four works of the Holy Spirit, and that is primarily that the Holy Spirit purifies, the Holy Spirit unifies, the Holy Spirit reveals, and the Holy Spirit empowers. Those are the four primary activities that we will be looking at in the work of the Holy Spirit. In this podcast, we'll talk about the first two of them, the Holy Spirit purifying and the Holy Spirit unifying and those, uh, those specific works and activities that brings God's blessings to God's people. Now, having said that, there are other aspects of the Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about that the third person of the Trinity does. For example, the Holy Spirit is involved in our filling as a believer, in our giftedness as a believer. Um, the, the authority of, uh, of the Word is talked about as a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is involved in other aspects in, of prayer, of, of calling, of regeneration, of sanctification, of perseverance of the saints, of, of glorification, of church discipline, a means of grace within the church, worship. These are all aspects of the Holy Spirit's work, but we're not going to talk specifically about every one of those. We're going to categorize in these coming podcasts the work of the Holy Spirit into four main areas, purification, unification, revealing, and empowering. Now, how, how do you define the work of the Holy Spirit? And theologians have kicked, kicked this around for a while, but here is a working definition many theologians have of the work of the Holy Spirit. It can be defined as the work of the Holy Spirit is the manifest active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Let me say that again. The work of the Holy Spirit is a manifestation of the active presence of God in the world 
and especially in his bride, the church. Now, this definition indicates the Holy Spirit is obviously a member of the Trinity, which we, we believe, but it's also talking about the Holy Spirit being a present uh, member to do God's work in the world today. Without the Holy Spirit, God's work would not be done because the Spirit of God is at work and moving among uh, God's people and even in lost people to bring them to Christ. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was, was many times manifested in the glory of God and in what are called theophanies. And they're manifested in the Gospels. Jesus himself, of course, manifested the work of God with his presence among men. But after Jesus ascended, after his ascension to heaven, the continuing work of God was done primarily through the manifestation of, of the presence of the Trinity, of the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who is most presently with us today from God. Now, let's go back a ways first in talking about the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning of creation, there is an indication from the Bible that the Holy Spirit's work was to complete and sustain what God the Father had planned and what God the Son had begun. The Holy Spirit's work was what the God the Father began, what God the Son had begun, and now God the Spirit continues. So that's a good way of looking at the, uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Now you may remember Genesis 1-2, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then you go to the New Testament, you go to Pentecost, and with the beginning of the new creation in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to grant power to the church. That's from Acts chapter 10. Because the Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity through whom God particularly manifests His presence in this new covenant age, I believe it's appropriate that Paul should call the Holy Spirit the first fruits of course, that's mentioned in Romans 8, 23, of believers. He's also called the guarantee or the down payment in 2 Corinthians 1, 22 and 2 Corinthians 5, 5. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee or a down payment of salvation to believers. So God's full manifestation of His presence is through the Holy Spirit, and we will know that in the new heaven and the new earth perfectly as Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4 tell us. Now, even in the Old Testament, it was predicted that the presence of the Holy Spirit would bring abundant blessings from God. Listen to Isaiah 32, verses 14 through 18. Quote, For the palace is forsaken, the population city deserted, until the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us from on high. And the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. And the fruitful field is deemed a forest. And justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation in secure dwellings and quiet resting places. End quote. That's Isaiah 32 verses 14 through 18, but it tells us these blessings will come when the Spirit is poured out upon us from on 
high. That's the Old Testament talking about the New Testament. Now think about Jacob in, in, uh, through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 44, 3. I will pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground, and God promised, I will pour my spirit upon your offspring, Jacob, and my blessing on your descendants. And of course, we saw that in the work at Pentecost, perfectly done as the Holy Spirit came upon the believers at that time and at that location. So that's a general, um, I guess, a, a brief introduction to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so now I want us to answer the question, in what specific ways does the Holy Spirit bring God's blessing? What are some specific ways God's blessing is brought to us through the work of the Holy Spirit? And as I mentioned earlier, we're look, we will be looking primarily at three aspects of the work of the Spirit to bring evidence of God's presence to bless us and that is the Holy Spirit purifies, unifies, reveals, and empowers. So in the rest of this podcast, let's look at the first two of these works, the Holy Spirit purifying and the Holy Spirit unifying. First of all, number one, the Holy Spirit's work is the purification process of the Spirit of God. First of all, the Holy Spirit purifies. Now, since the, the member of the Trinity is called the Holy Spirit, it's not surprising to find that one of the primary activities of the Spirit of God is to cleanse us from sin and to sanctify us or make us holy in our actual conduct of life. That's why the Spirit's called the Holy Spirit. It is a purifying agent of God. Even in the lives of unbelievers, there is some restraining influence of the Holy Spirit as He convicts the world of sin. That's John 16, 8 through 11. Acts 7, 51. Both talk about the Holy Spirit bringing conviction to a lost world. But when people become Christians, the Holy Spirit does an initial cleansing work in each one of us making a decisive break with the patterns of sin that were in our lives before. John Murray talks about that in a, a book from many years ago, 1977, wrote a book and he talked about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives to bring a break to the pattern of sin. We're different people that the Holy Spirit makes us after we receive Christ. And friends, I've said many times before, if you do not see a change in your life from when you receive, supposedly receive Christ to after you receive Christ, I would go back and check out my salvation experience because the Holy Spirit, when He comes into the life of a believer, He changes us. He purifies believers. Paul said of the Christians, of, of the Christians at Corinth, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And the cleansing and purifying work of the Holy Spirit is apparently what is symbolized by the metaphor of fire when the Holy Spirit came upon John the Baptist and it says that the people, that it says that Jesus will baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
So evidently the fire was the cleansing and purifying work of the Spirit, and that was the symbol of fire, the metaphor that was used. Now, after the initial break with sin that the Holy Spirit brings about in, in lives of, of believers, then after that, the Holy Spirit produces in us growth in holiness of life. He, he produces growth in holiness of, of who we are. He brings forth the fruit of the Spirit within us. Galatians mentions that the fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits, plural, fruits, singular. Galatians 5, and 23, whenever the fruit of the Spirit that's produced in the life of a believer are mentioned, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those qualities that reflect the character of God that then become the character of the believer through the work of the Holy Spirit. As we continually are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are also reminded that this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Sanctification comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, you are sanctified. You, you, become a, you become stronger in your faith. You grow as a Christian because of the Holy Spirit's purifying work in your life. So that it is by the Spirit we're, we're, we, we put to death the deeds of the body and we grow in personal holiness as Romans 8.13 tells us. Now there are, are some people today that say a purifying or a healing work of the Holy Spirit occurs also and they call, they call this being slain in the Spirit. An experience in which they suddenly fall to the ground in a semi conscious state and remain there for minutes or, or hours and and all the all the phrase this the slaying in the spirit is nowhere in scripture you see some instances of where god did that in the past but contemporary experiences i think should always be evaluated according to what the lasting results are in people's lives the fruit that are there so if you look at a slaying of the spirit today you don't see it as necessary necessarily as a work, as a purifying or a healing work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit purifies us, first of all, at, when we're lost, brings conviction to us to, to turn to Christ. And then once we turn to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and purifies us of our old past habits and then purifies us into righteousness, producing fruit of the Spirit in the days to come. So the Holy Spirit purifies believers as His first work. Notice I say His first work and not its first work. The Holy Spirit is a He. Let's go to the second uh, aspect. We'll spend more time on, on the uh, other aspects of, of revealing and empowering. And, and then we'll, we'll wrap up this, the 300 series by looking at Asking the question, is the Holy Spirit stronger or weaker in some believers than in other believers? And, and we'll close out the 300 series by looking at that. But now let's go to the Holy Spirit unifying. We saw how the Holy Spirit purifies. Now let's go to the Holy Spirit unifying. When the Spirit of God was poured out on the church at Pentecost in the book of Acts... Peter proclaimed in his preaching at Pentecost, he quoted the prophecy of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 
through 32, and he said, this prophecy has now been fulfilled in your hearing. What was that prophecy? What was the prophecy of of, of Joel? And, And here it was. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy or or proclaim is what the word prophecy means. So there is, an exa- there is an emphasis on the Holy Spirit coming on a community of believers, and one of the first jobs the Spirit does, or, or the first acts the Spirit does, is He unifies the believers of God. Not just a leader like Moses or Joshua, but sons and daughters, old men and young men, men servants, maid servants, all of them will receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this time. Now, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit created a new community, the church. And the community was marked by unprecedented unity. Luke tells us about it as he's the writer of the book of Acts. After the Holy Spirit came, there was such a unifying effect upon believers, he he brought them all together in fellowship. And and listen to what Luke says in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, as the Holy Spirit created community in the church, quote, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, end quote. That is, Luke writing the book of Acts chapter 2, describing what the Holy Spirit did to the new community after Pentecost had come. Paul blesses the Corinthian church with a blessing later on, and that blessing seeks the unifying fellowship of the Holy Spirit for all of them. That blessing is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Whenever Paul prays, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Notice that phrase. Paul prays the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you. So in this Trinitarian verse, Paul mentions all the attributes of the Trinity, but he attributes the deepening of fellowship among believers, not to the Father nor the Son, but to the Holy Spirit. Did you notice that? A statement consistent with the overall unifying work of the Spirit in the church. It was the Spirit's job to bring the fellowship in the church. 
So this unifying function of the Holy Spirit is evident when Paul talks to the Philippians as well. If you remember, he told the Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That's Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Let me pull out a couple of phrases from that verse, from those two verses. Participation in the Spirit and full accordance of one mind. You see the connection? The Holy Spirit's work is to bring full accordance and one mind in the church. Now, in a similar way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, or verse 18, Paul again talks about the emphasis upon new, the, the new unity between Jews and Gentiles in the church. And he says, through him we have access in one spirit. Talking about Jesus. In, in, in Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father. One spirit, the unity of the Holy Spirit. So, in the Lord, we are built up into a new house, he tells us in Ephesians 2, a house built by the Spirit of God. So, whenever Paul wants to remind the church of the unity that we should have as Christians, he exhorts us to, be, to, be, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4, 3. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace of peace. Folks, I don't, I don't know that I have ever seen the churches of God today any more divided since the days of COVID than I have ever seen in all the years of my ministry. The Holy Spirit needs to do great work among us. The Holy Spirit needs to unify believers. We are divided. We're divided over masks or no masks and we're divided over vaccines or no vaccines, COVID or no COVID, and we're divided over politics, and we are so divided in the body of Christ today. And it seems like our, all of our differences and our political agendas and everything that we think about, the, the, the current events are all dividing God's people. And we need the unifying work of the Holy Spirit to move among us in a powerful way. It's what God wanted. It's what God designed. And in so many ways, I'm afraid we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to unify us as He desires to unify us. But let me mention one other aspect of unification uh, that Paul mentions, and that is his discussion of spiritual gifts, I believe, bears talking about and repeating because the theme of the unifying work of the Holy Spirit is so prevalent in Paul's discussion of the spiritual gifts. Whereas we might think that people would have differing gifts would not readily get along well with each other. You'd think that. But Paul's conclusion in 1 Corinthians is just the opposite. Differing gifts draw us together because we're forced to depend upon each other like the members of a body are all dependent upon each other to work together so the body can function. And so actually the differing gifts don't divide us. The gifts of the Spirit unify us 
as a body, that's what they're designed to do. You remember Paul might, you remember, might remember Paul said, 1 Corinthians 12, 21, just because the eye, can't, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head can't say to the foot, I don't, I don't need you. We all need each other, and that unifies us because we have differing gifts. And Paul also tells us, 1 Corinthians again, chapter 12, verse 11, the differing spiritual gifts are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each individually as He wills, so that in the church, every one of us are given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, Paul says, for the common good. My spiritual gift is to unify the church where I pastor, First Baptist Church of Garland. My spiritual gift is meant to unify our church and every member of our church, the spiritual giftedness God has given them through the Holy Spirit is to bring unity. So if I'm not using my gift, if I'm emphasizing all the factions of the day, I'm not being a unifying factor in this body. In fact, Paul said we're all baptized into one body, in one spirit, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The spirit baptizes us all into one body. The idea that the Holy Spirit unifies the church is also evident whenever Paul discusses factions within the church. Strife, he said, jealousies, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. These are desires of the flesh that are opposed to being led by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verses 18 and verse 20 tells us the Holy Spirit is the one who produces love in our hearts and thus binds everything together in perfect harmony, as Colossians 3.14 says. So when the Holy Spirit is working strongly in a church to manifest God's presence, the church community will be in, in beautiful harmony and overflowing with love for one another. Folks, I don't see that happening a lot today. And that's what we need to be committing ourselves to. Holy Spirit, purify me. Holy Spirit, unify me in the body into which you've placed me. Use my giftedness to bring unity to the body and may it be beautiful harmony overflowing with love for one another. And I believe whenever the lost world sees a body of Christ living like that, it is attractional. It makes them want to come to Christ, come to church and be a part of a body that the Holy Spirit unifies in a way like that. That's my prayer that God would use me and use you to be unifying agents in the body of Christ. Well, I appreciate you joining us in this podcast and join us next week as we will talk about the third work of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit reveals the revelation to the prophets and the apostles and, and evidence of God's presence and the Holy Spirit is such a revealing factor. We'll talk about the revealing work of the Spirit of God in our next podcast. God bless you. We'll see you next week.